the Igbo person calls the neighbor Onya Batobi, that's the person living near you. We also link that with the Igbo saying that Onyaga na wanya. Anambra says Onyangana, but central Igbo will say Onyaga na wanya. Hello everyone, this is Modele on the Jodu Files podcast. Today's episode looks at neighborliness. We're looking at it from the Igbo perspective within the Izigbo Madu philosophy. The lead discussant today is my very good friend, Dr. Elizabeth Eberechi Oyenusi Ni Egbogu. We come from way back and we've spent a lot of time together. Emmanuel was the moderator, but at some point he had to leave and I completed the meeting. Yeah, so enjoy. to welcome everybody to exploring the Omoluabi philosophy in the 21st century. Thank you very much. Yeah, Dr. Modeling. Yeah. Yeah, you want to give us a word before we take the prayers and before we go into the discussion? Okay, well, the aim of this discussion is to see how we can find wisdom within our communities, wisdom within our culture that we can put together and pass on to those coming after us as things that they can see and say, oh, this makes sense. This is a good way to live my life. This is a good principle. These are things that they're they're nothing new. They're things that we're already doing, but just to flesh it out a bit and interrogate these things and try to get out the treasures in them. So it's in reference to the book on the children files, how God was sort of trying to connect with some young people and telling them that there's nothing new, just, you know, the same old values that have helped people in the past succeed, that they should draw upon those values. So we will go to the prayers. <laughs> Dr. Elizabeth Eberechi Oyenusi, because none of us here can speak Igbo. So do us the honors of taking the evil prayers. It's on the screen so that we don't we don't say the words wrongly. <laughs> so please do us the honors. Okay. Onye wine chine kai. Onye kerin henile kewa mami henke madunile. Now lile ya madunile. Aye nyege kele makanzu konke or tutundin di tiche non eba ta. Makitu a ruche no menala nanjuri mara eze bu madu. Anya bialai mosa ta. Chuku biko, tinya mama, amamihe, nobiai, manyera yaka, amen. Amen. And maybe the moderator could tell us what it means in English for those of us who maybe are not looking at it on the screen. Okay, very good. Amen. So, yeah, I want to say the prayers in English now. Our Lord God, the creator of all, the wisdom of all, the hope of all. We are thankful for those gathered here today to explore the customs and philosophy of the, the Omolua bees. We have come to learn today. Yeah, the Ezigomadu. We have come today to learn. Our Lord, please enlighten our heart and help us. Amen. Thank you so, so, so much for that, Dr. Oyenusi. A short bow. Dr. Oyenusi Elizabeth Eberechi is a senior lecturer in the College of Medicine, University of Lagos, 
and an honorary consultant to the Lagos University Teaching Hospital. She has the MBBS degree, Fellowship of National Postgraduate Medical College of Nigeria and Associates Fellowship of the West Africa College of Physicians. She has an MSc Fellowship of the European Society for Pediatric Endocrinology. She has the Advanced Fellowship of ESPE from Ramban Healthcare Campus, IFA Israel, and the International Society for Pediatric and Adolescent Diabetes Science School Certificate from Koto, Japan. Wow. Amazing. So let me just speed this up. Dr. Yenusi is a member of many learned society and is the current vice president of the African Society for Pediatric and Adolescent Endocrinology, ASPAE. She is married to Ekomodron, Dr. Yenusi, and they are blessed with three children. Our philosophy in life is be the best you can be and make sure you add value to your community. Thank you very, very much, Dr. Eunice. And we know we'll be learning so much wisdom from you. Maybe if I could just add that I want to really thank Dr. Oyenusi for doing this. I mean, she's someone who is very liberal and open-minded in terms of communities, cultures, and all. I mean, for her, she, to a large extent, grew up in the East. Um, she's near Agbog. And coming to school in the West, because we met as medical students many years ago, and coming to school in the West, she so wholeheartedly embraced the culture of Southwestern Nigeria while not living her own culture, you know? I mean, I've learned so many Igbo things from her. I've learned how to eat Igbo soups. <laughs> I've learned how to speak Igbo words. Many of the Igbo words that I just dropped here and there in the Chiodu files, I learned it from her. So she's someone who is very versatile and I'm so excited to hear from her today. She's someone who's very in touch with her community. And yeah, I thank you very much for doing this. I really appreciate your time today. Thank you very much. I must say a big thank you. First to Emmanuel, thanks um, for the kind introduction. Thanks for the kind words. And then um, to my friend and um, best friend forever. We were roommates <laughs> through our medical school. Thank you for the work you're doing through the children files. You know, it's good that we encourage those coming after us and even encourage our own selves to those things that are good values, even though the world is changing at a fast pace. But there's some good attributes that must never change if we're going to make our society an ideal place to live in. So I'm really, really glad to be a part of this and privileged as well. So we'll delve into our discussion without much ado. It would probably just be like an intro because I'm sure a whole lot of things will come from when other people ask questions and all and drop their thoughts too. So we're discussing neighborliness. Who is a neighbor? The Igbo person calls the neighbor Onya Batobi. That's the person living near you. And we're discussing it within the Ezibo Madu philosophy. The Ezibo Madu literally means a good person. It doesn't mean a perfect person, but it means a good person, a good-hearted person. And who is a neighbor? One a neighbor is someone that lives close to us. The neighbor is living near us. 
Secondly, to a neighbor, if we remember where Jesus talked about loving your neighbor as yourself, and someone asked, who is a neighbor? Who is my neighbor? And he told a story about a strange person, a stranger to Israel, a Samaritan, who catered for an, an injured person. An injured person came from a tribe. But people from that tribe, even though they were religious leaders, they were highly placed in the society, they passed the person by and didn't help him. But someone from another tribe, someone from another religion, someone from another place entirely, carried him, tended to his wounds, put him in a place where they cared for him, paid for all his bills. And he asked that, who has acted like a neighbor to that person? Of course, we know that. It's the person who showed kindness that acted as a neighbor to the person. And so we also link that with Ibo saying that, Onyaga na wanea, you know, Anambra says Onyangana, but central Ibo Imos will say Onyaga na wanea. Okay, so whether you see Angana or Agala is the same thing. It literally means do not leave your brother or your sister. So don't leave them behind. Don't leave them on the floor. Don't leave them when you're making progress. Don't leave them when they are in, in need. And he's not just talking about your blood sister or your blood brother. He's talking about your kindred, someone around you, anybody that is a human being like you. Because the Igbos also say that one need the number. One need the number literally means that there can be a brother or sister in a strange land. And the Bible calls it like a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You know, so sometimes a friend, sometimes somebody that is not your family, you know, families, we know care. But there's somebody else that is not family and care for you like family. Of course, that person has become family. So, means that we should be our brother's keeper. We should be our sister's keeper. And it's not just blood relations, but someone else that is in the same image as you. And so, you should look, look, look out for his well-being. If harm is coming to him, if it's in your power, prevent it. And you know, also helping other people to succeed. The top is roomy enough for everybody. And if you help another person succeed, it's not going to deprive you of your own success. It's not going to deshine your own success. It's not going to reduce your own success, you know? And as I said, is neighbor just someone that is beside you? No. It's anybody you show kindness to, anybody that you're in position to show kindness to, show it to them. There are so many benefits that we derive from being a good neighbor. And there are so many ways we can be good neighbors to other people. So I'm going to combine all that together. Direct benefits. Then your neighbor, now when I'm talking about a neighbor in this context, is someone that is living close to you. The person that is living close to you is the first physical responder in situations that require urgency. You know, we are connected online nowadays, you know, the world is a global community, but there are some things that online connection can do for you. A physical connection, you need it. Imagine that a husband is not available and the wife goes into labor and the woman needs to be gotten to the hospital. Sometimes a neighbor living across is the person that will come and take the woman in labor to the hospital. Sometimes children may get injured and it's your neighbor that carries them to go to the hospital. And sometimes um, children come home to, from school and they expect to meet their parents at home. But one thing or the other can happen and the parents are not there. And the children come and they, do, they don't see anywhere to stay. Sometimes they may actually live near, live near a major road. And if they're not taken care of, they can stray and walk into an accident or something. But if they have a good neighbor, a good neighbor can take those children in to get shelter before the parents come back. I know that there's a snag nowadays that some people feel that 
I don't want to bring other people's children into my house. So you don't have to give them food. I, I, somebody told me their bad experience. He had that he gave some neighbors children food, and later they were not feeling fine. And he says because they ate in his house and all that, so he doesn't give them. That. I said okay, fine, it's good, but at least bring them in so that they are not running around getting injured outside. You can even give them dried products, you know, maybe biscuits and all that. They can take it home, and if their parents decide that they will use it, they will, you know, show kind of because when those children grow up grow older they also have imbibed that they they remember that oh our neighbors showed kindness to us is a good way to live and you see we're building values in them that way also companionship you know now we are at the stage uh, we in our general we're at the stage where we experience what we call emptiness syndrome sometimes you know emptiness syndrome meaning that your children have all gone to body house or they are in university and it's only you or your spouse sometimes your spouse is even out of state out of station somewhere but if you have a good neighbor that you have cordiality with, you can visit the person. You don't have to be, be best of friends, best of, but you can maintain a cordiality that you can visit the person and that way loneliness will be cured and you can take care of that mental health aspect. And of course, we're building society when we're being good neighbors, because as I said, if you see your neighbor's child, maybe your neighbor's child is trained, maybe the child, the child is getting into drugs, don't say that it doesn't concern me, but no, approach the patient parents lend a helping hand but when you are going let your motive be right let your motive be because you want to make a difference don't stand on a judgmental standpoint you know because when you come from judgment judgmental aspects people get defensive you know but when you come with a motive of helping motive of making a difference they will be receptive. But even if they're not receptive, because you won't always get good reception, but when your conscience is clear, you know that you've done what you're supposed to do. Sometimes they may not receive you well that time, but later, the words you said, the actions you've taken are like seeds sown. They act on it. And you know that child will be saved from destruction. Because if you leave that child and the child gets into vices, it can come around to it. We said that what goes around comes around. A child that is left goes into a bad gang, can come back to rob the people in that you know community, can even cause harm. And so if we, we say that it takes a community to train a child, you know, and so if you see something that will benefit a child of your neighbor, make sure that you're able to do that for them and don't feel that, oh, you are meddling. And also, if you see a child's potential, but the parents don't have the wherewithal to train that child, as a good neighbor, if you have the means available, try to help that child because you're going to build up that child. He's going to be useful to his family. He's going to be useful to community. And at the end of the day, you are helping to build a better um, community. And then someone may ask, you know, the other aspects of it. To what extent do my showing care and concern reach? Where does it look like I'm poknosing? We talk about babonu. In Igbo, we say onyasiri, you know. But these two words, babonu and onyasiri, it connotes carrying tales. It connotes gossip, okay? So it's actually looking for gist. But if your interference, if your actions are not they should not just be for gist purposes, you know? What was your motive? Why do you want to bring this to someone's notice? The person you're telling it to, are they going to make a difference? If they're not going to make a difference, then it has become gist. Don't tell them. If, if you, you're not going to use that information to solve that issue, then you have to examine your motive and examine when, when it's passing from care, genuine care that I want to do something about to, you know, just gist, just something to talk about. And as I said, Approach is very important. You know, we must 
adopt the approach that our motives are right. Our motives are to make a difference. Our motive is to change something for good, not just to attack the person or, you know, one that that's, oh, you're not raising your child. Well, do this, do this, do that. People will become defensive. Then lastly, how do we avoid being medicine uh, on your own path as a neighbor? We say, oh, look out for your neighbor, visit your neighbor. You know, don't if you if, if you have a neighbor, you just see that here they don't bring our meals, but in there are some other climes where they bring their meals. You just see that someone's meals are piling, 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 piling. Last case, don't just think, oh, maybe they travel somewhere. It may be that somebody has is sick inside that house, he can't come out, or even you know, something sinister has happened to the person. We must show care. We mustn't always think that, oh. Let me keep to myself. I do not want to bother anybody and all that. But we have different personalities. We have various backgrounds. We have various upbringing. And we also have different vocations and job descriptions. Some people, once they go to work eight to five, once they come back, they are free, you know. But some other people are working around the clock. Someone like me and my friend in the academic, you're working around the clock, you know. So if your neighbor comes up from work in the evening and he or she feels that, oh, everybody is free now and comes and he's talking and he's talking and he's talking. And, you know, sometimes it has happened to me and, you know, I really want to do, maybe I need to prepare a lecture or there's a write-up I need to finish and all. And the person is going on and on. Of course, the first that the person comes, you that will not be the first day to just, you know, lash out on them. They will just withdraw into their shell and, and feel that maybe they're bothering you. But if that continues for a long time, you have to find a nice way of letting the person know that, okay, I need some time of, you know, but be hospitable to them. And also when people visit you all the time, being a good neighbor entails that you should also pay them visit once in a while. They may have more time on their hands, but no matter how busy you are, you must make out that time to pay them a visit. You know, they have a house, even if their house is not as fine as your own, but go there and reciprocate that visit. It makes a lot of difference, you know. And then sharing dishes. Where I was living before, I realize that some people like to, they cook a dish, you know, maybe a new dish or the other, then they bring for you and all that. It wasn't something I grew up being used to, but I realized that this isn't the way this person is, you know? And the first day I didn't want to take the, it meant a lot of, it, it, it connoted bad blood and all that. Then later on, I realized that it's just the person's way of like sharing. So me too, I got used to that way of when I cook, maybe a Yoruba dish because the person came from um, the not. Um, West. When I cook our own native dish too, I give them an order. But of course, by virtue of my husband's work, I've lived in different places. You know, I meet different different backgrounds. It hasn't always been like that with each neighbors. In fact, there are some neighbors that you are closer to the person that is two houses away from you, you know. So you have to follow each person with their personality and their background and, you know, make the best of the relationship. So those are my thoughts, my initial thoughts until we, I welcome further discussions. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for, for that submission on how to be a good neighbor. Now, if you're someone who is sort of comfortable with your personal space, how do you handle a neighbor who is more friendly and wants to bring you dishes and all that when you are just comfortable with just being in your space? How do you do that without okay. causing b- bad blood, ill feelings, things like that? Okay, so let's say talking about sharing dishes and all, it may even be that the other person, some people are not adventurous with eating any other person's food one or eating another kind of food that they're not used to. So I think that a diplomatic thing to do will be to accept the 
food, you don't have to eat it in front of the person. So the person doesn't need to know what you did with the food. You accept it and find the person and take it. And then later you can return their bowls or something like that. But I think that that's how I would do it because some people's feelings and emotions are really hot. If you just say, I don't, I don't want you, you might refuse the first day, but by the time they give you a second time and a third time, of course, except you think they're trying to poison you. And if they, if you think they're trying to, they may not be trying to poison you. There's no way to find out whether they're trying to poison you, but it may just be that you don't like the food. You don't like to eat them, but accept it from them. And whatever you do with it is another matter entirely, but that will make them feel better. They might be wondering what you did with it, but they can't be sure. You may have eaten it. You may not have eaten it. Okay. Then sometimes you see something that is going wrong with maybe a family member of a neighbor, maybe the family member's child or family member's spouse or a parent or something. And you feel you want to tell the person, but at the same time, you don't want the whole thing to come crashing down on your head. He said, they said, he said, somebody said. So in this day and age, sometimes people just feel, let me just mind my business see no evil, hear no evil, just go your way. So how, how would you advise that kind of person? For example, maybe somebody saw someone's child maybe smoking and to all intents and purposes, the that parent whose child was smoking is supposed to be a very religious person. And maybe even that child was brought up in a conservative setting, but really the child is one face at home and one face outside the house. So whereas if the parent is that kind of person, I would take it personal that, oh, you are now spreading bad information about my child how is the neighbor supposed to handle it should the neighbor just mind his or her business i mean it's not everybody that feels it is wrong smoke but i'm just saying something that maybe a particular community generally for example if it's a christian community that that child was brought up in and in that community they don't believe in smoking or let's even say in a more conservative community where a girl is brought up in a community where they don't believe in wearing trousers and then the neighbor sees the girl wearing trousers, maybe when she's in the university and goes back to tell the parents that, ah, do you know that your daughter, I saw her wearing trousers in the university or something. And the person is worried that the parent may not necessarily be receptive to that information. Just looking at it as an example, how do you think that person should handle it? Okay. So I understand the scenario and it was one of the things I, um, I thought about too when I was preparing this talk. And so if we start from being good neighbors, being courteous to our neighbor, being respectful, not being aloof, okay? Because if we're aloof and it's only when we see something that has gone wrong in their house that we now come, they will be wondering, hey, oh, because you've seen something bad about me. But imagine that in that community, maybe the, someone was not feeling fine in that house, you've gone to visit them or it was their birthday and you heard and you went to greet them. You've already established a rapport. It becomes easier to now go with this one because they know that you're a good person. They know, they already know the intent of your heart. They're not wondering that, hey, you, because you've just seen something bad and, you know, who are you self to come and be telling me this kind of thing about my child and all that, you know? Paradventure, there has not been really an opportunity to establish that because sometimes too, it happens that that opportunity has not presented itself for you to be able to go and visit them and all that and all that. Because let me take a, a personal example. There are some people on my road that when they drive, they drive past my road. And when they are driving and I'm standing outside, I try to catch their eyes, you know, so that you can even say hello. They don't turn. They don't. <laughs> 
Then after like a year, somebody came to knock on my door to bring a birthday invitation. And I was like, hey, where are you? And they said, I'm leaving there. I said, oh, you are the person that you... Then the person started laughing. And I said, it's not, it's nice. I mean, if you had waived all these days that you are going there, you know that coming to knock on this, but of course, later I found out that it's somebody that I said, make sure you give all those people's IVs or, you know, maybe because we are senior people on the street and all that, you know, but it's nice to establish a cordial. You don't have to be so tight with your neighbors, but there should be a cordial relationship, you know, and some things are easier to report than others. I will say um, something about this one. And then I'll say something that will throw open to the house is a naughty issue, but I'm sure that we're all is something that is happening. And that's where you really wonder that should I say something? Should I not say something? If this child is behaving some a different way at home, it's fine. And then you happen to see the child outside. You are the eyes of the parents outside. And if you see that the child is portraying what is not the value of the parents it behoves on you to let the parents know they will be thankful for that because it may be that that opportunity will help them to correct that child and step in and nip whatever problem in the board before it becomes you know something that is way out of control you know and that's why he said it takes a village to raise a child you know don't look the other way that it doesn't because it's not my business but as i've said be ready for defensive reception you know when you are going because some people may just it may just be bragado as we say in um nigerian street parlance you know is like a defensive thing to just say mm -hmm, just you know but inside they will go and deal with it and that information you've brought them is really useful the one i want to talk about is a spouse's infidelity Maybe. <laughs> you know, that one is a, a is is a thin rope because okay, maybe you go out with someone, maybe you go out with your spouse or someone, go with your family, then you you see a neighbor in a compromising situation, maybe a husband, the husband of your neighbor is not, or the wife of your neighbor with someone else or another. You know, what do you do? Are you going to tell the husband another time that as soon as I whether, or are you just going to, you know, if you see, it will be nagging in your heart. That would be something everybody will have to talk about today. You know, but <laughs> that one, if you go and start telling the wife, it will become meddlesome, you know, because you may feel that you want to break my home, you don't want to break my home. Another person too can justify that, oh, I want to tell the wife so that he can approach your husband so that the husband can stop that act or something or so that the wife can stop that act you know so really is a thin line but you have to weigh your motive and you have to be convinced in your heart why you're doing what you're doing and you have to be ready to shop to receive the reaction that the person is going to give whether it's a favorable reaction or is an unfavorable reaction thank you okay i don't know if there's anybody else who wants to respond to that question if not i would um i would try to respond to it i'll say that that question is a is a no win is a no win situation because if you see that thing happening and that person like maybe you see someone's spouse in a compromising situation now if that person finds out that you actually saw their spouse in a compromising situation and didn't say anything that person will be offended with you because that means you are aiding and abetting <laughs> Exactly. You. <laughs> and if you say something, that person may still be offended with you because at the end of the day, in fact, both of them may now be offended with you. Both the person who was in a compromising situation and the person who was aggrieved because 
the person may feel, ah, if not that this person came to tell me that bad news, I wouldn't have known and life would have gone on and the thing would have blown over. The spouse too may feel, who is this busybody? Go and mind your own business. Why are you poking your nose in other people's affairs? So it's a very tricky situation. And very um, tricky. I, I, I don't have an answer to that. I would just say that if anybody finds themselves in that kind of situation, they should just follow their gut feeling in, co- in exactly. code. Exactly. As in how exactly. they feel at that particular time. And um, or the person could speak in parables. Like the person could I- speak in parables. <laughs> Uh, you know how I thought about it was that it's always easier. It may be easier to go and meet the offending party or reach someone that can speak with the offending party. You understand? Because if you reach the person, they can finish up the thing, and you know the other person, the other spouse at home may not even know that anything happened or didn't happen. So if it's really burning in your heart, find a way to make sure that. Of course, you you can't always change people's behavior but at least you can try you know that way your conscience will be clear that you did something about it you didn't just see it and look the other way that that's how they would say it in Igbo it will long come in there what's what's my business but then in doing that one may also risk a backlash or there's another scenario that I heard of one time so there was somebody in, in a mole where and then a pickpocket was trying to pick his pocket okay. so this neighbor in the in the well, this commercial boss, Person, this big, yeah. big commercial boss, was now saying, he's picking your pocket, he's picking your pocket. So that pickpocket now left his victim and now came to the person who raised the alarm and now attacked the person who raised the alarm. So sometimes people sort of try to mind their business, business. so that they don't receive Get a backlash yeah. from yeah, exactly from the raising an alarm. So exactly, it, it's a tricky, it's a tricky situation because sometimes you are thinking about self-preservation. Mm-hmm. And then talking about this spouse thing, if that particular spouse who was in a compromising situation is someone that is sort of like a benefactor to one yeah. in terms of maybe like a big or girl, big man madam in the community yeah you know one may also be thinking that if i go and meet this person now if i go and tell the spouse what he's doing i may lose out from the benefit sure. that this big madam or big or girl or big person normally offers so i would say it's a very tricky it's a very tricky situation. it's very tricky that particular scenario that aspect infidelity is very tricky you know reporting infidelity is very tricky you know it's even like as you're saying an influential person so maybe in an office, you're working in an office and the person is your superior, you know, and you see the person is cheating on their spouse and all that. You know, the person is your superior. So it's not easy to go and meet them and say that, you know, what you're doing is not pleasant and you can't talk to them. At the yeah. same time, you know their spouse at home, but you can't go and, you know, so you just... Okay, Bimbo has her hands raised. Thank you so much, Lizzie. It's been very interesting. This question you just raised, and anyway, what this whole discussion is about is actually very fundamental. And I wish that it could actually become something that people would take notice and form like a basis. You know, like as a society, how do we want to exist um, with ourselves? Mm. You know, if you take any foreign exam, there's always a part called a situational judgment test. And what you just mentioned is usually a common scenario. Do you think you saw what you thought you saw? 
like, for example, they'll say, okay, you're a doctor, um, there's this doctor, he's a surgeon, you know, he's, he's going for surgery in the next couple of hours. And then you see him at the bar with alcohol. What do you do? And then they give you like various answers. Actually, at the end of the day, what they expect is first, first of all, confirm that what you thought you saw is what you thought you saw. So speak to the person directly that if at that point in time, you think that it could be a conflict situation, then wait, you understand? Wait, look for a calm time talk to the person. I mean, these are like scenarios upon scenarios. This is how it usually goes. So you talk to the person and then if it is, if you think that, oh, it wasn't what you thought it was, then you forget about it. But if you think that it was, then you talk to the person and you tell the person, you don't, you know, you're you are doing surgery. Why would you drink and things like that? If the person says, oh yeah, I know, I'm sorry. Then, you, you know, and the person's response is, oh, I think, you know what, I, I wasn't drinking, um, I'll, I, I haven't had any bottle, so I'll just not drink. Or I have had a bottle, I think I'll, I'll, I'll just tell my assistant to do the surgery or something like that. Then it's okay. If you think that the person's response wasn't, you know, was like not good, you know, like, oh, what's your business, that kind of thing. Then you escalate it. You look for a more senior person. That not, not the authority, not someone that is going to punish the person, but somebody that can talk to the person, mm-hmm. you know, to, to, you know, talk to the person not to do the surgery. But if, if that still doesn't work and you know that it didn't work, then you cannot escalate it to the authority. As a society, that's their ethics. If you are going for any professional course, you're expected to do this, not even just professional, even interviews, that they, mean, they call there's Casper tests, there's situational, all kinds of things. So they're kind of like indirectly inculcating in people's ideas of how they think certain situations should be approached you know so this case of somebody's if it is like you said in nigeria forget about it look if it was me i'll just keep my mouth shut anyway that's just my own little thing thank you interesting thanks bimbo for that perspective um i have another comment or question to ask in a in a situation where resources are limited you know and you're talking about be your brother's keeper don't leave your brother behind how do you cope because there's sometimes where you say everyone for himself god for us all or there's a proverb in yoruba that says let, let me say it in Yoruba, then I'll interpret it in English. It will say, Tinoban Joni, Tonjo Omoeni, Tareni Lamakogbon, meaning that if one is on fire, if fire is burning and is burning one's child also, one will first try to quench the fire on one's own body. It's similar in the airplane. The airplane, they will tell you if there's some something going on in the, in the airplane and you need to use the oxygen mask. First, wear your own oxygen mask before you wear that of anybody around you. So basically, if resources are limited, we all think about self-preservation first. So how do you, how do you marry self-preservation with being your brother's keeper? That's the question. Okay. All right. Um, thanks for that question. So resources are never enough. They are never enough. And it depends. Sometimes what we see, what we see at needs at once, you know. Of course, love your neighbor as yourself, you know. You have to, first of all, preserve yourself before you can preserve another person, except for people that matters, that want to just sacrifice their life for other people. So you have to do things for yourself first, the necessities, the necessary things, you know. There was a time that I had the patient that needed surgery and were trying to raise about 
100,000 for the patient. We're looking for money up in everywhere. And then I had an occasion coming up. And the Ashwebi, we call it Ashwebi, the uniform, you know, it's called Ashwebi in Yoruba, but it's, you know, cloth that everybody's going to wear. It wasn't as if I was very close. I mean, the people, that, that occasion wasn't something, I wasn't in the core family, it was just an acquaintance and all that. So it's something that if I actually wore another color and go there, it would be understandable. At that point in time, I didn't feel like I should give this 50000 to buy this cloth. At that point in time, being a good neighbor to my patient was more important to me and was going to be more fulfilling for me. And that was what exactly I did, you know, and I was happier for it. But that's what I'm saying. We are varied and you really have to go with your intuition. You have to go with your heart because there's someone else too that will feel somehow not wearing that particular uniform they're wearing on that day and can even go into depression, you know, by just not wearing that. So the person will not displease himself or herself by giving that money for someone's surgery instead of buying that cloth. But me, by my kind of own personality and how I felt at that point in time and what I felt will give me content and give me peace of mind. I followed my heart and then I wore a collar to the place and I was fine and I gave the people what I needed to give them and I was happy, you know. So sometimes there are some things we may think are needs for us, but if we examine it closely, we may find out that this is a want for me. It can wait. And this, my neighbor's uh, matter, is a need, is very urgent and all that. To be a good neighbor and what would be nice to do would be to sort out that urgent need and wait for that our wants you know, for another time. Okay, thank you very much for that. That re actually reminds me of a situation at one point. I had a friend at some point when, when I was outside the country. And at that point, I had a huge financial need. Now, this friend of mine was someone who was very big on tithing. She used to pay her tithe very regularly. But she knew I was in a tight situation at that time. And she said, you know what, Modele, rather than use this money to pay tithe, I'm going to borrow it to you to use to solve this your financial situation and i'm trying to look at that in line with what you said about looking within yourself and seeing how even though your resources are limited and you have need to use it to do many things you can now prioritize what you think is most important at that time so i understand that but the other question i want to ask you is Sometimes in the workplace, there's this dog-eat-dog environment, or I don't know if you've watched this um, show, Donald Trump's show, The Apprentice, where he got a couple of people who were recruited to do particular activities, and then they sort of move ahead by looking for one way or the other to get advantage of the other. How would you marry that dog-eat-dog personality that is actually not just something that happens on reality TV. Even in the work environment, sometimes you see that dog-eat-dog -dog mentality. How will you look at that vis-a-vis -vis trying to be a good neighbor to your colleague at work, you know? Yes. Okay. So thanks for that. So the dog-eat-dog situation, you know, and scenario is a very unfortunate one because really that's not an ideal thing. That's not a healthy thing. We don't rise by pulling other people down. And if we're put in a situation where we need to rise, where we need to pull other people down before we can rise, then it's a very unfortunate situation and it's a, a situation that should not be encouraged, you know, because like in the workplace, 
if you're competing, you know, maybe you do more things, okay? So you can get ahead of another person. Then it can be justified that you've put more efforts, okay? You have put more efforts, you've done more things. Is a better way of justifying something than needing to put another person at a disadvantage, you know, maybe make them uncomfortable or look for something bad about them to go and report or, you know, having to harm them first for your own success is not really an acceptable situation, as I would say. And if you find yourself in such an environment, you just then have to go with your heart. Are there some things that your conscience can live with? Are there some things that if you have done it and you get the success, how will you sleep at night? Are you going to be happy? But if you're not going to be happy, then I think that you should refrain from such situation or just find a way of making it so that you can have an easy conscience. If it's games you're playing, you know, people will not just say, it's just a game, it's just a game, then it's a game. But in real life situations where you need to, I've seen some people sit on other people's promotion, you know, sit on papers they can sign just because they don't want that person to come near them. It's not that the person is going to raise it because if you're in a position to sign something for somebody, it means that you're already ahead. But sometimes you may think that ah, this person can now progress so fast and meet up with me, you know, which is not, the person has worked for that. Being being a good neighbor and having the visible magic philosophy and mentality means that if it's the person's due, do it for the person and just, you know, sign up the person and all that. And, you know, don't try to use another person's misfortune to rise. Although in the world nowadays, you know, we talk about, oh, somebody's misfortune becomes your fortune. Sometimes if it happens, so the people selling sanitizers are making plenty of money and all that, you know, it's, you know, but if you now have to create a hurt or a harm just for your own success, then it's really not a nice thing. Thank you. Thank you very much. What you said reminds me of another proverb. I'm sure there's a proverb like this in Ibu. There's a proverb in Yoruba that says, meaning that the sky is big enough for all the birds to fly without bumping into themselves. So when you were talking, that's what came to my mind, that maybe when one finds oneself in that kind of situation where one is really tempted to try to sabotage someone else to be able to get ahead, I think that kind of that kind of wise saying might give one the strength to feel that, you know what? there's enough to go around there's enough even though it looks like there isn't enough there's enough to go around and that would sort of help the person to try to be fair or, or what, what would you say yeah exactly there's a saying like that to enable it says Ewe bere, ugwe bere. you know Ewe is a kite the kite the the bird the kite ugo is eagle so they say when Ewe bere, ugo bere, Meaning that when on a tree, you know, on a branch, when the kite is perching, the eagle too should just perch beside, you know, the, the, the bird. If anyone is saying that the other one should not perch, that something should happen to that one's wing, you know, that that one's wing should be damaged or something. It's like putting a curse on that one's wing. So it's like, they live and let's live. But, hey, hmm. but literally, that's what he means. Live and let's live. Hmm. Wow, wow. That is deep. So both the eagle and the kite, right? Both yes. the eagle and the kite can 
can coexist. The space is big enough for everyone. So we have to basically try not to get pressured by the so-called scarcity mentality and broaden our minds and know that that, um, that branch where the birds are landing, the, the platform is big enough for everybody to land. Yeah, that, that, that's so deep. Thank you so much for, My for your time today. It's a uh, pleasure. I, I'm, I'm sure what, from what we have learned today, we will try our best to be better neighbors because if we all are good neighbors to our neighbors, then our community will get better. And yeah, even, you know, many times people in Nigeria, they want to travel abroad, they want to go abroad. Sometimes it's because the people in those communities have put structures in place to take care of everybody in that community. You know, they've thought it through. Oh, let's put a walkway for disabled people. Oh, let's make sure those whose income are lower get more tax breaks. You know, things in place generally to take care of people who are not so privileged. And that's why their communities look more attractive to many people. And they say, oh, let me go to a better society. I was talking with Dr. Bimbo Oloyeye the other day and we're talking about communities that are predatory she mentioned something about being predatory you know and if we have communities that are predatory then we're not being our brother's keeper we shouldn't prey on each other that kind of dog eat dog thing so i think we're going to leave this meeting with that encouragement that we shouldn't practice dog eat dog (laughs) rather than that we should how to build each other up and how to look out for each other because that way our communities are better safer healthier and um, richer yeah Yeah, so we've listened to what makes a good neighbor, how you should be a good neighbor, the benefits of being a good neighbor. Don't leave your neighbor behind. You've heard Onyang Gataobi, Onyang Batawanea. So yeah, let's all try to be good neighbors to each other. And if you have any additions, anything you want to say concerning this, you can leave a message on the podcast or you can leave a message on the website. Bye.